0: Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I'd like to start with a question. What kind of a grip do you have on your money and your stuff, your possessions? There's a spectrum. Over here, death grip. I'm hanging on. Maybe over here at the other end of the spectrum, loose and carefree. Where do you fall along that spectrum? Today we're gonna to look about at uh, we're gonna look at what Jesus taught about the importance of our attitude and approach toward worldly wealth, what the Bible calls worldly wealth, toward our, our finances. And he shows us that it's really important the way we manage our our money turns out that this is way more important than we think it is. Uh, we call this message series, we're in par for the course, it's a little play on words. Uh, par is the score standard for each hole in a, in a golf game, and it's the par for the course has become a way of saying it's, it's what's normal, it's what we should expect, it's not unusual if something is par for the course. And we're having fun with it a little bit, using golf as a metaphor. Um, and what what we see is, as we look at the PAR, uh, the privilege and accountability and the responsibility that God wants to be aligned as we live life, and we should expect it to be, uh, those things are going to basically line up. We'll talk more about that in a moment but God is paying attention to certain things and our approach as we walk through life and it helps a great deal to know what he's paying attention to. (laughs) It really is a major help. There are patterns that are par for the course with him and in our lives. He's wired them into the way that life works in golf. The long game, which is what we've titled this message today, the long game is referring to drives and long iron shots as opposed to chips and putts. <laughs> uh, Wiki How to Do Anything is a website that shows you how to do stuff. It breaks down the minute things to the minute details. and Here's what it says about hitting a golf ball, and I'm, I'm going through this to get to the last slide. But, uh, so here, here's the first one. First slide. WikiHow Golf Grip. Uh, position yourself near the ball. That's pretty important. If you want to hit it with your club, you gotta, I love that instruction. Get close enough to hit it. Uh, next, it says, position yourself about three steps behind the ball. It says to walk backwards from the ball if you aren't sure where to stand. So just take three steps backward. Uh, next it says spread your, spread your legs with your knees bent slightly forward, spacing your legs about shoulder width apart. And here's what I'd like you to notice, the last slide here. It, it says grip the driver firmly with one hand below the other. It's kind of an awkward grip if you're not used to it. Then adjust your grip so it is neither tight or loose. This is important in golf. If you grip your driver too tightly, or any of the clubs, uh, but especially your driver, your drives off the tee aren't going to be long enough. They're not going to be as long as you'd like if you take a slightly looser grip on it. You kind of... Wrap your arms around, you know, your hands around it, and you take a little looser grip. The proper grip, grip for a golf club, is counterintuitive. That that that's really it. Feels very awkward when you're learning to play golf and learning to do it well. But your golf grip needs to be comfortable and balanced. That's what it says in the in the text that you probably can't read in that slide. Comfortable and balanced. If if you wanted to hit if you want to hit a long way, you just loosen your grip a touch. And this this mirrors our attitude toward money in in a way that is important. Um, it's counterintuitive what Jesus says about our money, what, what the Bible communicates about handling our finances. And we need to have the right attitude and approach toward it. We need to be comfortable and balanced. We need to hold it tightly enough, but not too tightly. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, if, if we grip our money too tightly, it's going to get pried out of our hands, either during this life or when we move on to the next life. I mean, we're really, the perspective of Scripture is, we're only renting here. We're only here, we, we don't really own anything. God owns it all. And we're only here for a little while, and then we move on and we leave our money and our stuff and everything to someone else. That's an important thing to understand as we think about our money. But if our grip is too loose, we don't handle it faithfully, and we waste it. This isn't pleasing to God either. This isn't what God wants is either. So Jesus taught that a good long game banks on eternity. And in this life, we hold our money tightly enough so that we manage it well, loosely enough so that we do what he wants to build toward eternity with it. We're going to look at how to do that this morning. Money management is an important test that God gives. God gives tests all the time. And what he is trying to do in the test is they're designed to reveal our hearts. So we end up in troubling situations. We end up in, uh, tests. And the test is all about our priorities, especially with our money. This is what God is checking for. Jesus makes it clear that faithfulness with our finances qualifies us for true riches. Luke sixteen eleven says, If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? We're going to find out what the true riches are in a few moments, but... Wealth should be a Christ follower's servant, not vice versa. We're, we're to use our wealth for eternal purposes, and there's a way to do that. And so we we shouldn't serve our money, our stuff, but we make it a servant to do what God wants us to do with it. PAR stands for three words, privilege, accountability, and responsibility. Uh, as I said, the, the series title, PAR for the Course, is a reference to this PAR principle that God has wired into the way life works. Um, privilege and, a, and accountability and responsibility should be aligned in order for things to be just. So if you're involved in an organization here in church or at work or wherever you would be, in, in, in family life, really this plays out. Um, all, all the privilege needs to be aligned with the appropriate amount of accountability and responsibility. If if it's not, that's not right. Let me hear you say it. That's not right. We know this deep down. We know this is the case. Um, we start out in any group that we're a part of with a low level of responsibility. And in life, we start out with a low level of responsibility in any given place, in any given situation. If we're faithful with our responsibilities, we can grow in leadership. This is the way it works. In this verse, Luke sixteen eleven. Jesus clues us into the test God uses before granting spiritual leadership to people. That's what he's talking about here. And he shows us, by cluing us into that, he shows us how to grow in leadership and how to gain real influence in the lives of other people. He's showing us what's important, the test that he's given, what he's looking for, what is he testing for. What is it that he's trying to figure out about you and I as we handle our money? He's checking our faithfulness with money and things before he gives greater leadership and influence. And this honestly aligns with reality, and we're going to see how that is, how that's the case as we walk through this. Let me explain what the true riches are in God's eyes. You have to to really understand what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, if you've if you've been unfaithful with worldly wealth, then who's going to trust you with true riches? You have to rewind to Luke 15 to understand what he's saying there. In Luke 15, he, throw, he Jesus told three parables, three short stories to illustrate a point. The first the first story was about A coin, uh, a sheep that was lost, and a coin that was lost. Uh, The the second story was about a coin. The third story was about a son that was lost. And the owner of the sheep and the coin, they drop everything, and they go on an all-out search for what was lost. The son checks out of life. He's got a very wealthy father and he, he decides that he wants his inheritance early. He goes and squanders his inheritance, and he comes back, and uh, his father, now you'd think that his, his father would be pretty, pretty chapped about what he's done, but his father opens him opens his arms. He welcomes him back with open arms. Now, Jesus is communicating something in this story. And what he's trying to say in these three stories, he tells three stories to make the same point. The owner of the sheep and the coin go on an all-out search for what is lost. The father celebrates the son's return with a magnificent party, much to the older brother's chagrin. He's not really happy about that. You know, come on. You know, what's he thinking? He took off. Through the stories, Jesus explains that God's highest value is people. These are, people are the most important thing to God. Even those who are lost to him, who have rebelled and decided to live life independent of his way. People are what matters most to God out of all the money and possessions, all the things on actually everything on earth. People are the pinnacle of what matters to God. That's what he's trying to say. So the most significant thing you can do here is love people. People are the true riches that are being mentioned here in Luke sixteen eleven. He's talking about people. People are the true riches Jesus mentions here. And the most significant thing you can do on this earth is to influence people for the good to help them come to know Christ, to grow in him, and then to lead them spiritually. So there is a major test that God gives to people before he wants us to hand spiritual leadership to them. Jesus says that God tests our hearts to watch how we handle our money before he gives us a platform to lead and influence This is also the way it works in life. This is just how it is. But people often try to grab for privilege of leading and take advantage of others. And when they do, they eventually pay a price either now or when they meet God in eternity. People tend to have it upside down. Don't we? I mean, we love money and things and we use people to get them. There's something in us that yeah. But God turns it the other way around. He turns it upside down. We're to love people and use money and things to bless them. This is the way He wants it. God's checking our heart before He brings people to you to influence them. Or the people before this is just the way it works. Before you're going to really have an influence on the people around you. You need to love them. You need to show kindness to them. Church leaders should be paying attention to this. That's what you find in Scripture, and we'll look at that in a few moments. But we should be paying attention to this before putting someone into leadership in church life. This is also the way that you develop influence. You love people. You show kindness to them. And then they are drawn to adopt your own values, what's important to you. Maybe maybe they will, maybe they won't, but the kindness and the love are what allows you to give them the opportunity to adopt. Basically, you don't use your authority for your own advantage. That's what Jesus taught us. I'm sure you've noticed religious people can get way off track. I mean, can't they? Uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to separate from the way the leaders in religious realms and the way others in the world at large approach leadership. This is the way it is. A group called the Pharisees, who were religious leaders in Jesus' day, They've been listening into his teaching. In Luke 15, you see that they're there when he tells these stories. And in Luke 16, you, 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 they, they're around listening. They're listening in. And in Luke 16:13 through 15, Jesus turns toward them and speaks directly to them. Pharisees had a great deal of power in Israel. They were the authority during Jesus' lifetime. They were a hyper-religious group who made up rules to follow in addition to the commandments in the Bible. These add-on rules gave them the advantage over others. And they, they used their followers to gain strength and power. And it was good for them financially as well. There were 16, 613 added rules that they added to the Bible. One of the most despicable rules was to declare that their money that they were saving to help their parents when they got older, old, they would declare it Corbin, which meant devoted to God. And then they were free not to use that to help their parents. That's despicable. God hates that. And God got Jesus expressed that because he was God in the flesh. That's disgusting. God gets disgusted with religious rules and the leaders who make them when the rules devalue the people around them. Especially this rule, that's disgusting. Jesus addressed it in another place. Anyway, the Pharisees used religious rules and the people they led to gain status and financial advantage. In contrast, Jesus says we're to serve those we lead. These men were taking an illegitimate path to privilege. Let's see what he says to them. He turns to them at one point and he speaks directly to them. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You have to decide. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. They mocked him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God, so the Pharisees who loved money, <laughs> uh, they heard Jesus teaching, and they reacted def- defensively, they didn't have anything better to say about themselves, so they mocked him, they ridiculed him. They, they, it literally means they, they, they looked they turned their nose up at him and looked down on him. That's what they did. That was all they had. In this teaching that we're looking at, this whole passage that we've been looking at, Jesus makes it clear that the way I use my money is the clearest indicator of what's most important to me. That's that's what he's getting at here. It's the clearest indicator of my highest values in life. Privilege, as we've been talking about, is always tied To an equal level of responsibility. If you want to gain privilege of leading the proper way, if you want to gain the privilege the right way, you must qualify yourself in two ways. First of all, be faithful with little things. Be faithful with your finances. However much you have, be faithful with that amount. And secondly, adopt God's values and get your life in line with those values. Think about it. Why would God entrust more money and resources to someone who's going to waste them on things he doesn't value? Why would he entrust people to leaders who are going to hurt them and use them? We see this all the time, but God removes his blessing from the leaders who use those under them. He wants us to know what's most important. Uh, or he wants to know what's most important before he gives you a platform to lead, to help, and to care for the people who are most valuable to him. We all want to grow in respect, both self-respect and we want to be respected by others. The path we choose to gain respect will determine whether or not we get it. That's the way it is. You can gain power and influence over others. But if it's in a selfish, illegitimate way, you're perched on a very unstable pedestal. It's, it's shaky. Jesus showed us to never use power and influence selfishly. In Mark 10.45, turns out everything is turned upside down related to power and authority and leadership. He says, Even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came not to be served, but to serve. He used all of his power as the living God to serve you and I and the people around him during his lifetime. This is how you gain respect the right way. You use your resources, time, energy, money, to serve others and bless them. This is your aim. This is what you're trying to do. This is the test. This is what God's looking for. Are you using your resources selfishly or selflessly? God withholds true riches if we're selfish. He's not going to give us influence. It turns out how tightly you grip your money is like an x-ray into your heart. It reveals how you will handle authority and whether you will gain influence as you do have positions of authority. And leadership, as you parent your kids, it's the way it is. You might be able to control them for a little while because you hold the purse strings. You have parental authority. You you might just be able to control them, but you won't have their heart if you lead in a selfish way. If you try to manipulate them without bringing their heart along. You'll, you'll lose their heart. You won't have it. If you want them to follow from the heart, you need to show kindness and love and help them to get ready to live life on their own. You use your power as a parent, your resources to serve their interests, to help them get ready for the life that they're going to lead someday. You may need to correct or discipline them but, but you do so to serve their interests. At work, a boss can demand respect. He, he can demand to be respected and gain respect by doing so. But if you use your power to serve the interests of the company and your followers, you will grow in influence. This is the way it works. In church life, you don't use people to make, make you feel good about yourself. You serve them. This is what God has said. As I wrap up the message today, I'd like to look at uh, an overview of the mechanics of a financial long game. We looked at the, briefly at very Primitive mechanics of a good golf swing. Um, but here are some patterns to practice that please God. Uh, these should be a Christ followers par for the course. In the Bible, you find that God commands Christ followers to give first. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This passage, the Lord commands us to give off the top. The first fruits. But before we use our paycheck for anything else. This is a faith exercise. <laughs> to give first, will we trust God to provide for our needs if I give off the top, not the bottom? That's it's an it's a it's an expression of faith. Because you're writing that check to God first. Here's a picture of what happens if we wait to give the leftovers. Uh, they shrink. The amount that we give shrinks. And it doesn't grow if we wait until the end of the pay period to give it. And you shrink a little, spiritually. It's interesting. This is a test. The way we handle our money is a test. And it is Directly connected to our walk with God, our understanding of God, and how much we know and trust him. We tend to separate, you know, religion and finances, money and scripture, or money and spiritual health. But they are a direct, there is a direct connect. To the way you handle your money and your understanding of who God is. This is how it, this is the way it is. It's a direct, so if we give, now here's a promise in the Bible, and I don't have it on the screen, but uh, Matthew 6:33, it says, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. It's in the context of worrying about what we're going to what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, how we're going to survive, basically. And so God makes a promise there. If you seek me first, if you give first to my kingdom purposes, then I will meet your needs. I'll take care of it. I've seen this in my life over and over and over again. God instructs us to give 10% of our income, or a tithe. If you're starting out, I would encourage you to pick a percentage. But give it off the top, because this is the faith test. And the only way God allows us to test him in Scripture, according to Scripture, there's one verse that says, give the whole tithe. Bring it into the store and see if I don't bless you back. This is this. Our money is not just like a spreadsheet with a, a balance on it, but it's an opportunity to experience the the reality of God in our lives. He's 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 invited us to test Him. He gives us all kinds of little tests, but this is the way we can test Him. We give first and see if He doesn't provide. For us. But anyway, if you're starting out, I'd say pick a percentage because a percentage represents your whole income. It's a percentage of your whole income. So pick a place to start and you will see that God provides. He will meet your needs more and more as you choose faith with your finances. God says, give the whole tithe and I'll take care of your needs and watch me. Watch me do that. The second thing to do with our money in order to have a good long game is to save for trouble. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. At 61, I have a very clear view of the danger approaching me in my later years. (laughs) I'm starting to feel it. You know, my feet don't. Feel as stable as they were at one time. Okay, I'm not going to go into this long list of ailments because I've got a list. I can tell you, I've got a, I've got a long list of stuff that tells me the end is coming. I don't know when, (laughs) but this body is winding down. It's winding down. I can tell you that. Um, But anyway, I also took care of my parents, and I saw what it's like to to be an older person. My, my father died when he was 93. My mom died when she was 89. And my wife and I took care of them for five years. And I've seen where I'm headed. And I need to, I need to do my best now to save for that. When I was younger, I didn't look at that. When I was about 25, I was in graduate school. Guy came by, recommended that I start putting money aside. I'm like, you know, why in the world would I do that? You know, when I was 40, the advisory team here at Church and the Valley, they forced me to put money away. And I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm really glad. Um, it's wise to save both for trouble now and as you grow older. And when you're not able to work and provide for yourself, that's really wise. It's wise to put a little aside so it can grow with compound interest over time. This is the savings long game <laughs> out of it. The prudence sees danger and hides himself. Banks have really good ads to encourage you to put their money, your money in savings. Here, Here's one of them. A year from now, you'll wish you have started today. That's true. I wish I had started when I was 25. I'd be in better shape, even... Just a little, little bit would have been good. The next thing you should do, so you give first, save for trouble, and spend to meet your needs. Here's some perspective from someone. It's not your salary that makes you rich, it's your spending habits. That is exactly right. And this is what's interesting. The way we manage our money, our spending habits, they're, it's directly tied to self-control, <laughs> isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I want stuff. I see stuff all the time I want. And when I'm on Facebook, they design ads with stuff I want. And they flow by. And I get the wants. And I need to use self-control uh, wisely and, and not cave in. But here's the interesting thing. As you look at the qualifications for church leaders in the New Testament, in the Bible, you find that man, how you manage your money, is it shows up in every list of qualifications that you find. Here's one from 1 Timothy 3. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? (laughs) That's that's pretty plain. This is a test. Before you're going to have leadership in the church, you need to be managing your household, your money well. This is the test. This is what God, before you get the true riches, you need to handle things well there. God holds us accountable for that. The money test made it into the qualifications for church leadership. The basic idea is this. If you're not doing well at home, don't export it to the church. Please. But that happens all the time. (laughs) Here in in Church of the Valley, we, we try to watch that. We try to see what's going on and use the qualifications you find here for spiritual leadership. God takes providing for family needs very seriously, and he says this in First Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He doesn't care what you say. He doesn't, you could proclaim your faith over all the world, and if you don't manage your money well, if you don't provide for the people in your household in the way that you should you're worse than a believer you might as well not even have faith final aspect of a good financial long game is to invest it for the future here's a movie scene that reminds us how vulnerable our money is here on earth it's it's hard to watch but it's a guy who's being told he's lost everything let's watch this you just said you're only dealing clean deals
1: I do. I do, but I'm the player here, okay? Not the whole game. I mean, do I look happy to you? You're not the only one hurting because of this. Your investment, my investment, the investments of a lot of unfortunate people. Unfortunate people. You told me, you promised me I'd make 8 to 10% of my investment, guaranteed. Yeah, and that is what my firm told me. Look, I, I, I searched it out. I did my research. My office manager told me to put my clients into this. What else did you put the money into? Notes backed by commercial real estate. I mean, look, th- these looked like great buildings. I checked the specs. I did the research. They looked like they would be full capacity, okay? But now they're sitting. Did you at- did you inspect these buildings? Did you inspect these properties? Look, the, the people that do all the research told me that this was the real deal. So what do we do now? You'll get some information regarding the investigation. And... Look, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to take a while, though, before this whole thing is You're clear. telling me I've lost all my money? No, not necessarily. There, there's going to be some some large lawsuits. I just want my money back. Jim, that's not how investment works. I mean, you got to pay to play.
0: That's a horrible moment. There are no guaranteed investments here on earth. Nothing's guaranteed. It, it can all go away. Jesus says this, Matthew six nineteen through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There are two ways to invest for eternity. Give to God's kingdom purposes and love people with the money and resources you have to aim to bless them. The money test is a check on the hearts of people that God gives. And he's wired it into the way that life works. Before people gain leadership, before they influence others in God's kingdom, he wants to know what we love most. Do we love people more or money more? That's the test. If we love people and show kindness toward them, using our money to bless them, they will open up to our influence. This is the case in church life, with our kids, with our friends, with our coworkers, and others. I want to wrap up by looking at some next one one next step that you could take uh, today. Uh, you can see it at the bottom of your listening guide or on the back of the connection card. Um, And then if you want to let us know your next step that you're taking, you could put that in the offering when it comes by. Um, But here's my next step today is to uh, do one of these things. One way I need to use my money for the long game is give first, save for trouble, spend to meet needs, invest for the future. Go ahead and handle money the way God says and watch him bless you. Watch him really create a a deeper sense of well-being as you live your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that guides us, it gives us perspective, and you've built the truth of the scripture into the way life works, and I thank you for doing that. And I pray that you'd help us, God, to take the steps you've laid in our hearts today to take. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.